Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Tandy Boxing Podcast with John Tandy and me, Tony Mager. In this episode, we recap the action of the Copper Box, where John Ryder outpointed Sergei Kemitsky, George Groves forced Andrea De Luisa's corner to throw in the towel, and John Wayne Hibbard retained his Commonwealth Super Lightweight Championship title. And in Canada, the great Sergei Kovalev defeated Jean Pascal for a second time when trainer Freddie Roach withdrew Pascal at the end of round seven. We have a fantastic interview with British middleweight champion Nick Blackwell as he looks forward to a third defence of the Lonsdale belt against Chris Eubank Jr. in my hometown of Dartford next month. We also discuss Amir Khan's next move and the controversial rescheduling of Derry Matthews' challenge for unbeaten Turbo Terry Flanagan's WBO lightweight world title. I'm joined as ever by renowned boxing trainer John, the truth, Tandy. Morning, John. Well, last night's action was at the Copper Box in London. George Groves was the, the headline fight, but uh, possibly not the most the most standout or interesting fight of the night. Let's start with George Groves first, shall we? He took on Andrea De Luisa and he made it quite an easy-looking fight, didn't he? 100% honest. He looked actually quite sharp. Um, movement was nice. If I've got one any criticism about it, it was his um, his stance. He was a little bit wide with his feet, um, kind of held him back on throwing any combinations. Pulls back a lot of the power off the right hand, um, but his hands looked sharp, and he didn't look bad. He looked a lot better than he did last time out. You think uh, that's anything to do with the way he's training? Because uh, the criticism he had of his former trainer was that he was trying to get him to do things that perhaps were a little bit unnatural and Groves thinks he's got good feet, he's got good power, he's got good hands and, and, uh, and good shot selection so maybe that's just uh, complemented nicely with Shane McGuigan. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, uh, to be honest, that that's quite a big deal in regards to the fighter being comfortable in what they're doing. Um, every time they do try to do something and they're not comfortable with, it can kind of make blocks in their, in their minds and and uh, not let things flow as they should. Um, but he looked, his hand speed looked quite sharp. He looked, looked nice and relaxed. As I said, the only, the only criticism I'd have was his stance. But he managed to get the guy out there. His body shots looked good. He seemed to break down Delusa quite well. And Delusa was tough, but there wasn't a great deal coming back from him. No, and uh, the fight ended in the at uh, the end of the fifth round, I think it was. His, or no, it was no, it was during, during the fifth round, I think, the corner threw the towel in. Is that, yeah, that's correct. That's yeah, he was, was he was pretty much he was pretty much out on his feet. I mean, he was staggering around. He was bloodied up. He took some heavy body shots. He took a couple of knees from yeah. body shots. Um, so yeah, I think the, the corner were right to to step in. Boxers are sometimes a little bit too tough for their own good and can get themselves hurt. So the corner had to do their job, and I think they did. I think it was a a good return for Gross, but it'd be interesting to see when he steps up. Yeah, it was a, it was a good uh, decision from the corner because it was there was nothing really coming at Groves. But where does Groves go now? Then he's um, he's got some some good options in the super middleweight division, both domestically and on the world level. Domestically, of course, one fight that I'd be really loving to see would be the James DeGale rematch. What do you think about that one? Yeah, no, definitely would like to see that one. 
Um, I think James has had a better, better time of it as of late. I think it was a good fight when they fought the last time. I think they both progressed very well. I think DeGale probably better of the two. Um, I'd quite fancy DeGale in that fight, but I'd definitely like to see it. As you said, there is quite a few fights on domestic level. I think probably Martin Mario is probably his, be- his best choice in regards to styles. Um, if you wanted to pick somebody that he could um, get a good win against. I think Martin Murray might be interesting. Yeah, that was Murray was at ringside last night, and that was proposed by um, by a few commentators to Eddie Hearn, and he seems to like that fight as well. So that could be could be a good matchup, couldn't it? Who else is out there for for George Groves though? He's had three failed world title shots now. Um, the Bally Jack fight was a close one. Um, who who are the other belt holders? Maybe Arthur Abraham. Yeah, I think Abraham, obviously, he's got quite a tough fight coming up himself. But um, if he manages to get through that, then that's an interesting one. Um, I think the Italian that we, we talked about last week, who picked up a version of the WBA, might be interesting. If he Dick wants Corollis. To get that, um, Dick Corollis, that's right. If he wants to get on the world title run, I think he would have a great chance against Dick Corollis. Um Callum Smith's another, men- another name being mentioned. Um, obviously, Callum's not a world champion yet. He hasn't stepped up to that level, but... That could be an interesting domestic domestic fight. Absolutely. Okay, well, moving on from that that card then. Um, John Ryder, Sergey Kamitsky. We had John on the show last week. You spoke to him about the fight. He did the job, didn't he? He did what was asked of him. It was a very, very tough fight. It was a make-or-break fight for him as well. And the way he boxed uh, was, was pretty perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on John. Obviously, his, uh, his career was in the balance. Um, Kamiski has got great power. He had to be very careful. But I thought he boxed pretty well. I thought he, uh, he kept his range. When he was inside, he kept it, he kept covered up. He did take some some hard right hands, but he took them well. Um, it was never more than one or two shots taken at once. He was always on, on the move. So, no, I thought John boxed really well. Definitely got a, a, a good chin, a, a chin that will stand up to, to the biggest punches in the division. But um, summing the fight up, the first couple of rounds, he, he didn't really sort of get into gear, did he? And uh, it looked like he might be just waiting for Kamitsky to tire. Of course, Kamitsky's 41 years old, looks in great shape still. Um, so it was a risky move if, if that was what he was trying to do. Yeah, I think so. I think Kamitsky started a lot quicker than we've seen in the past. Um, and was kind of maybe trying to trying to suck up on his brick basher label and mm. um, start and try to get John Ryder out of there quick, maybe catch him cold. Um, I thought John dealt with it fairly well. He kept his concentration. He kept moving. Um, he got a nasty cut of his right eye in the second round from a head clash. Um, and I think before when he was cut against Nick Blackwell, it affected him quite badly. So obviously mm. that was another another hurdle to step over in regards to the mental game. Um, but I think after that, so like three, four, five, six, seven, he kind of won pretty well. Um, Kamitsky had another little second burst in sort of, uh, I think, eight, nine, ten. And then John Ryder finished well and, and boxed well and deserved to win well. I scored it 117-111. Um, but I think they got it right and they picked the right winner. Yeah, that's the main thing. And, and uh, Ryder wins the WBA International Super. Uh, sorry, the International Middleweight title. Where does he go from here? He's obviously fought at the top domestic level already. So does he move on to European level? Yeah, I think so. I think he's got to look towards that. Um, obviously, there's some, again, great rivals here. 
um, potential rematches. He's obviously got Nick Blackwell, he's got Chris Eubank Jr., got Billy Joe Saunders, maybe Andy Lee coming back from his loss to Billy Joe Saunders might fancy John Ryder. I think that might be an interesting matchup. Well, also on that, that card at Super Lightweight, John Wayne Hibbard and Tommy Martin. And that was quite a, an action-packed fight, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed that one, to be honest. It was a good fight. I think Martin came out a little bit too quick. He came a bit over-eager, um, trying to land bombs. And Hibbert boxed him really nicely, controlled it. Um, and Hibbert looked the bigger of the two. Um, he was landing the more hurtful shots. And then it did look at one stage, I think the because the odds flashed up on the TV, and I think at one stage Martin was obviously the favourite going in, but I think after round six he was, I think Hibbert had gone to one to six to win the fight, so um, <laughs> they had a big swing in the odds. Um, but to be honest, Martin maybe saw that and took it back to him and started boxing really well and landed some shots and actually turned turned the fight around. Um, Hibbert, again, to his credit, turned it back around again, so it was a little bit of a yo-yo fight, and finished very strongly. Uh, Martin was down in the 12th, um, and I think he misjudged the count, to be honest. I think he was hurt, but he he looked like he was getting up and kind of just tried to hang on for as long a rest as he could, but just missed missed that count. Getting up at nine and a half isn't good enough in, in this country. No, well, I think it was um, uh, the heavyweight against Chisora, wasn't it? Malik um, Scott, the American heavyweight, Malik Scott, yeah. who um, suffered the same sort of same sort of uh, fate. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, Hibbert takes the Commonwealth Super Lightweight title as well as the WBC International Super Lightweight title. Yeah. Um, what's next for him? Um, he's had he's had some tough fights. He might be looking for something a little bit easier. I mean, obviously the obvious statement would be Dave Ryan again because I'm sure there's um, Dave Ryan's yep. got a score to settle there because I think Dave Ryan won the first two fights. He was stopped due to a back injury in the third fight when actually winning the fight. Um, so I think Dave Ryan's probably got a, a bit of a case to. I think he's probably mandatory for the Commonwealth anyway. If there is a mandatory for the Commonwealth. Yeah, um, it was a good fight as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Oh. And um, I think that's probably, as much as Hibbert probably doesn't want it, that's probably the next one for him. OK, another WBC international belt that was collected was um, by Martin Joseph Ward, who beat Mario Pisanti. Um, I didn't see it. I've read about it. I mean, I think we spoke briefly on Pisanti being knocked out in the first round by a 0-16 hmm. last week. Um he was down three times this time, down the first, down the second, stopped in the third this time, and Martin Gerald won. So I don't think it was a huge test for him. Um, and Pesante wasn't really at that level. It was just more of a win for Martin Gerald. Yeah. But he is a good fighter. I think he'll it'll be interesting to see where he goes from there. Okay, and the other fight, which was televised, it was the first one that, that I got to see, was Chris Agidua against Ben Hall or losing his Southern Area Super Welterweight title to Ben. It was um, it was quite a one-sided fight, wasn't it? Ben been on top for most of it. Yeah, it was, to be honest. I mean, Ben Hall was walking him down, um, landing some hurtful shots. Uh, I think uh, Agadir was hurt as early as the first or second round. He's a tough kid. He pushed through it. Um, but, yeah, ben, was, ben, ben Hall was in, in control for most of the fight. And and took a deserved victory in the well, I think seventh round. He was stopped. 
sixth round. My apologies. I think it looked a little bit early, um, but obviously due to Ben Hall being in control of the fight, I think he was he was probably doing Chris a favour stopping it because I think he probably would have got stopped. Well, his head was moving around a lot, but it wasn't clear if they were from from punches. I mean, the the punches at which which Ben was was flailing at him um, were a little bit sloppy, but. But it didn't look good. Nothing was coming back from Chris, and it was already a one-sided fight by that stage of the the ten round um, the ten round contest. So, no complaints too much about that. Okay, we'll go through the the other results on the card. Lucian Reed wins a TKO over David Kovac. Lewis Adolfi uh, points four-round points win over William Warburton. Craig Richards defeats Kieran Gray over four rounds on points. Dion Juma against Colin Farricker. That's a six-round points win for Dion Juma. Ted Cheeseman, TKO at round four against Gergo Vari. O'Hara Davis, now he's somebody I like at lightweight. Looks a very, very good prospect. Moves to 10-0 and with a win over Prince Ofotsu. Um, TKO round three. Uh, featherweight Reese Bellotti defeats Elvis Guilan. Uh, Guilan retired at the uh, seventh round. And somebody you know quite well, John, that's Leon McKenzie against Kelvin Young. Now, that didn't take very long, did it? What happened there? No, I was quite surprised to be honest because Kelvin Young looked, looked decent. He's got a decent record. He had a, a big height and reach advantage over Leon. Um, but Leon jumped at him. Um, Leon, 37 years old. Former Premier League footballer, um, yeah, jumped on him, flattened him within 40 seconds of the fight. It's obviously fighting Avasav for stance. He landed a couple of good right hooks and he finished with a straight left hand, put him down again. I think it was a bit of a misjudgment by Young in regards to the count. He did look like he was going to get up, but again, he left it to nine and a half, stood up and was stopped. Um, big complaints, but once you've been stopped, you're out of there. It's, people have got to start, mm. start realizing you've got to be up at seven or eight to make sure and let the referee know that you're there to fight. You can't leave it till the, after the referee said nine. Sergey Kovalev, the light heavyweight division ruler against Jean Pascal for the, the IBF, the WBA, and the WBO world titles. It was a one-sided fight. Kovalev in control with his long reach for most of the fight, and um, it ended up in retirement, didn't it, John? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed to see a rematch. I don't think there was much in the first fight. I don't think um, I don't think John Pascal brought a lot to the first fight. Um, and I struggled to see him bring a lot to this fight, and to be honest, it was kind of made true. Um, Pascal made a lot of changes. He changed his training, he went over to Freddie Roach to see if he could make him any better. Um, there wasn't any knockdowns in the fight, but it was very one-sided. And to be honest, from about the fourth round, it it seemed like Pascal had kind of given up a little bit. He stopped throwing punches. Um, he was just desperate not to get stopped and not to get hit with that big right hand. But um, Kovalev boxed him pretty well. Did did take a couple of shots, but nothing nothing to to write home about. Um, one-sided as like the first round, like, like the first fight. To be honest. Yeah, it was that big, long, long reach of seemed to be able to land any time he wanted to. And and no matter whether he was uh, on the inside or the outside, Pascal just didn't have any answers for him, did he? And like you said, in the fourth round, he's, his heart seemed to, have, seemed to have gone. Yeah, I think from watching Pascal a lot in the past, I think you saw him, he would land a big shot and he'd be able to follow up on it. 
Um, but I think with Kovalev, every time he landed a decent shot, there was no movement from Kovalev. It didn't seem to bother him whatsoever. So there was no follow-up. So he'd land the occasional single hard shot, but Kovalev would immediately come back. And again, that, that height and range, that jab, he just didn't seem to be able to get beyond the jab. Everything was a little bit jumpy. Everything was a little bit trying too hard. And yeah, it was just a bit one-sided. It was a bit disappointing, to be honest, for a main event. Yeah, and I think the fight that most people want to see Kova living now is either Andre Ward or Adonis Stevenson. Now, Adonis Stevenson was in the ring after the fight, caused a little bit of a fracas in front of Kovalev, uh, who had called him uh, Adonis Chickinson during, <laughs> the, during an interview. And uh, I've got to say, that, that's, that for me, unifying the division with uh, Stevenson's belt has got to be the, the next fight for him, hasn't it, if that can be made? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think Madonna um, Stevenson, in regards to John Pascal, is faster, hits harder. Um, they're similar size, so I think he's still going to struggle to get around the jab of, of Kovalev. Um, but the southpaw, he might be able to dip in. I think Adonna Stevenson's got a decent puncher's chance. I'm quite looking forward to that fight. Hmm. But Kovalev looks pretty dominant at the weight. The chief support, I think, was Renan St. Just and Francis Lafaniere. Did you get managed to catch any of that today, John? I did. That was a cracking fight. Um, probably the fight of the weekend for me. Um, both oh. guys are pretty limited as regards to how far they can go, but this was kind of like one of them, Andre Ward, oh no, sorry, Mickey Ward against Andre Arturo Gatti, kind of both guys, kind of middle of the road. Um, but created a brilliant fight against each other. Um, St. Just is 43 years old now. I think as he as he actually lost the decision, he it's probably his last fight. Um, but Lafineri was was awesome. He came out from the first bell, pushed the pace, got his head. He's not a massive puncher, but his accumulation was great. Initially, St. Just looked the stronger guy. Um, wasn't land as much, but when he did land, it was effective. Um, and he was backing Lafaneri up a little bit, but every time he had a big heart, he was cut from the second round. He just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And to be honest, he got the he got the uh, decision he deserved in the end. It was a great fight. Great, and he picks up, of course, the IBF International middleweight title there as well. So, uh, uh, big things on the horizon for Lafaneri. I don't think so. Um, he's very game. He's uh, he's got a big heart. He's a little bit easy to hit. He's fit. He'll keep pushing, but I think against the top guys, I think he'll always struggle. I think this is a, a perfect level fight for both of them. I think both are on a similar level. Um, Lefineri won well, but it was it was a great fight. Another top uh, fight of that night was Dmitry Mikhailenko against Karim Mayfield for the vacant USBA welterweight title. That went to a decision as well. Can you talk us through that one, John? Yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned last week that I've worked with Kareem before. He's a nice kid. He's tough. Um, he, he tried. I mean, he was probably 60% of what he can do. Um, 100% he might have given Mikhailenko a good fight. Um, he came out in the first round, guns blazing, trying to get him out of there, um, trying to land that big, big punch. Um, but it never came. Mikhailenko boxed really well, controlled it, started pressuring him in the second round and never let off. Um, I don't. I think Kareem took the fight at a week or two weeks' notice after being out of the ring for an, over a year. Um, so it was a big ask for, for, for Kareem. Um, 
and barring that big punch, I don't think he had much of a chance of being able to to, to keep the pressure on him and box him for the full 10 rounds. So, yeah, it was a little bit one-sided in the end, which is a little bit disappointing for Kareem, but I don't think he was ever going to stand too much of a chance with the, with the short notice and the, the level of Mikhailenko. He looks a very good fighter. Mm. And he's gone to 21-0 and now, um, so he's got a, that, that perfect record. What do, what do you expect from, to see from him at the welterweight division this year? I think he's going to have to do it the hard way. I think he's good enough, but he's not a massive puncher. Um, he's a very strong guy, um, can put his accumulation of punches together, but he's not a big puncher. Um, he's going to have to do it the hard way. He's going to have to go the rounds, but he's he looks tough and he looks decent, so it'll be interesting. He will definitely come up with some good fights. Great, so one, one to watch out for. Back in 2011, Nick Blackwell was just 20 years old and had a record of 8-0 when he faced Martin Murray for the British and Commonwealth middleweight titles. Six months later, Murray's next fight was for Felix Sturm's WBA world title in Mannheim, Germany, while Blackwell faced Mihai Makovai at the Oasis Leisure Centre in Swindon. Blackwell is the current British champion, winning the vacant belt against John Ryder last year, and in March this year, will defend that belt for a third time against Chris Eubank Jr. John spoke to Blackwell and got him talking about the fights with John Murray, Billy Joe Saunders, Max Bursak, Sergei Kamitsky, and his best win yet over John Ryder. You got thrown in quite early in your career with uh, Martin Murray in your um, was it ninth fight. You're only 20 years old. Um, what are your yeah. feelings on that? <laughs> no, do you know what? I, I wouldn't change it. Um... You know, a lot of people they um they step up the ladder slowly, gradually. You know, but me, I didn't have an amateur background. Was still learning my trade. Um, and with that fight, I come back a lot stronger from that. So it was just like my apprenticeship in in the in the pro boxing, just generally in boxing. You know, because like I said, I have an amateur background. So come back, got nice. better from that fight, and um, yeah, no, I wouldn't change it for the world. Do you uh, you didn't have any amateur fights at all? It was just the unlicensed stuff, was it? Yeah, and no, I didn't know I'm amateur. I just had 18 on license fights, so it was just getting in there. It was like it was like basically fighting like a pro. I had little 10 ounce clubs on the red guard and was fighting blokes. They're yeah, two, yeah, two and a half stone heavier than me, and sometimes having two fights on the same night, you know. So, wow, I'm crazy. <laughs> so after that, you um you won a few, and then you got put in with Billy Joe Saunders for your second shot at that British title. Pushed him pretty yeah. hard. Yeah. I think um, you know, underestimating me, everyone said I was going to get beat. I think he was believing, you know, um, the hype. You know, oh, he was going to knock me out in three or four rounds. But I knew that I was going now. I knew he wasn't going to stop me. Um, and yeah, I did push him. I pushed him quite hard. Um, just didn't throw enough shots, and just again, I was still learning. Um, yeah, and he had a good amateur pedigree, and he was um, a better boxer than the night. Nice. So um, after that, you got signed with uh, McKennessy. Um, yeah, and your first fight of him was Max Borsak, is that right? Or was Max Borsak? No, no, Kaminsky. Kaminsky. I fought, Kaminsky, I fought Max Borsak yeah. when I wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't with Nick yet. You went out to the Ukraine to fight Max Borsak. That was supposed to be another baptism of fire. Yeah, it was different. <laughs> huh. um, yeah, it was different. Um, and again, everyone thought I was going to get battered and beat, but I watched him and I just confident I was going to beat him. Hmm. You no, know, I don't have a very, I don't have a long notice for the fight. I think I had four weeks notice when I got two and a half stone overweight. Never was, I was like always in training, but I just was eating a lot, you know. And I just wasn't, hmm. I was just chilling out. I got the phone call, got, and to me, I was like, I got to take these opportunities. I thought in my head, I'll never get it. 
Yeah. Uh, I killed myself for five weeks. Didn't eat nothing on the last week or drink anything. I literally had oh, like wow. a couple of espressos. So we got there, still five and a half pound overweight. Huh. Died at the weigh-in. And um, I still done a 12-round fight. And I, I, I believe I beat him. But, yeah, um, no, I was um, going to say that. I watched the fight and yeah, I thought you dead shit. Yeah, I thought... Yeah, you know, I thought he'd beat him, but I know I had to knock him out to get a draw in Ukraine, you know. But yeah, cool. You know, and again, from that fight, a lot of good things come from that fight. So, um, yeah, no, it was another thing. I want, I want to change it, you know. I want to change it. Okay, cool. And so, anyway, we'll go to the Hennessy thing now. Sorry about before. <laughs> so, your first mm-hmm. of that one was um, with Hennessy was Kamitsky. Um Tough yeah. fight. I, I watched it. I thought you started a little bit too slow, but you really came on. And I think if you had another couple of rounds, you probably would have got him out of there. Yeah, do you know what? It was annoying because I was supposed to do eight rounds. Got in the ring with him. Uh-huh. I didn't feel I didn't feel like ready to fight before. Just little things going from my head, like a bit of an atmosphere in the chamber room between a few big people, and it played on my mind a bit. Yeah. Um, got in the ring and got told I was in six rounds. I was in the ring staring at Konitsky for ten minutes, or my promoter was arguing with his, um, with his promoter. Right. The referee went, "Nick, you're not doing six rounds. The fight's off." I was like, well, "Come on, let's go." And I literally was like that. So we started fighting. Yeah, I started slow. Um, I went into a six-round fight with an eight-round game plan. But right. i come on strong towards the end and uh, hurting him. And, yeah, one more round, I'd have got him out of there. But, um, yeah, it was a bit... It was annoying. But I think he's a strong boy, you know? No, yeah, no, definitely. He's... Um, you, you, you win over John Ryder for the British title. John's actually got Kaminsky uh, Saturday, I believe. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to watch that, actually. It should be interesting. Having fought both of them, who do you fancy in it? I think John Ryder could get him out there. Just John Ryder needs to use boxing skills and just put some educated pressure on him to get Kaminsky to tire out. So mm-hmm. I done. I stood in front of Kaminsky, let him hit me about a little bit. Then he got tired out. I thought he thought he was gonna knock me out. But um I think John if he stands toe to toe with him, um, I think John could get if he gets clipped and he feels the power of Kaminsky, mm-hmm. he could be in trouble. But if he okay. if if John Ryder's sense, which I think he will be, I think he could get Kaminsky out of there later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably your career best win is probably over John Ryder, isn't it, for the British title? Yeah, yeah, I think it was come at the right time. Um, didn't have long enough for Gary Lockett, to be honest, but um, mm-hmm. getting out of box again, first three or four rounds, that's slow, but um, I knew deep down that I was going to beat John Ryder. I was so confident going into the fight. My training camp was good, I was fit, I was strong, yeah. and um, I just knew, I could feel him wearing out, you know, and I caught him a good shot and then um, finished him off. And then the ref- Some people say the referee stepped in a bit early, but he didn't complain and he was all over the place and if the referee didn't step in, I think I would have, uh, I would have knocked him clean out and it could have done him damage, you know, so... Um, yeah, yeah, but there's no right complaints decision. from from the corner, no, there's no, no complaints from, from John. No, no, so I think the referee made the right decision and obviously, yeah, it was my biggest win, you know, winning the British title in front of all them people being the underdog, so yeah, it was amazing, good feeling. Okay, awesome. And you've had two defences since, um, Damien Jones yeah. and then Jack Gunfield last time out. Jack, well, Jack was um, a tough kid. Um, he was, really. pushed you quite hard yeah do you know what both fights I don't make excuse the first fight Damon Jones out of fire I shouldn't have been in there I should have pulled out should, I, was, I, thought, I was walking into that ring and thinking I was going to lose and I didn't do nothing for six rounds to be fair and I, was, and I was tired but I did nothing and I caught that right hand mm. you know and yeah I was lucky really I was just I was stupid and I thought I'm never going to get to a fight with an injury again went in with right. Jack Arnfield and I micro tear on my chest and Again, I just didn't perform very well. I didn't feel great. Mm-hmm. Box rubbish. But it's fair value, Jackie. Um, he boxed well. And he was a tough lad. He caught some good shots and he just kept coming. So, um, yeah, no, it was. Um, I learned a lot in them two fights. Not one, but I, I did learn a lot just going in the mental games. You know, it was it was, it was yeah, good. Yeah, I learned a lot from them fights. And how's that all going? I mean, is that a son? Have you had a bit of time with him now? Is he really developing? Yeah. You? 
yeah, it's wicked amazing. Best best move I've ever done. I should have done it sooner, really. Um, learning the basics, um, doing all the simple stuff, doing it all, going to the gym, looking sharp, looking strong, looking fit, strong. I'm just everything's going really well. I got all the lads in the gym all competing against each other. I got great sparring with Williams, Alex Hughes. Um, it's the gym is buzzing, full of potential, and um, Gary Lowe is not just good, great training. He's a great man, you know. He's a good mate. So yeah. it's all it's just really really good, good vibes, you know, around positive people, and um, it's happy. No, of course. So anyway, your your big fight on the fifth of March is now coming up. Your third defense yeah. of your British title against um, the one and only Chris Eubank Jr. Eubank Jr. is very good boxes, um, and he's he's done right, but he hasn't been put in the deep end. He's saying he's ready to block him, but he didn't want to take a lot of title shocks. He knows he's not ready. I'm a million percent confident. I'm more confident going into the Eubank fight than what I am to the John Ryan fight. Okay. I'm I'm already I'm twelve round, fifteen round fit now. I've trained him five weeks before Christmas. I feel really good. Um, so I feel good I'm just so confident in myself because only I've got a feeling you just feel mentally I have no doubts I'm going to I'm gonna lose no doubts I know, I must know I'm going to win I'm yeah. going to go in there and be a tough fight for six rounds I think I mean, it's a very tough fight I think he's quick mm-hmm. he's um, puts combinations stuff together well but I think he's going to tire he's not as fit as what people make out he is um, I'm going to get him out of there. So confident. Did you well. did you watch the fight with Gary O'Sullivan recently with him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and do you know what Gary he was looking a little bit tired in the six. I thought. Yeah, like Gary, real nice bloke. But I think Gary done a lot of stuff wrong in that fight. He went square on guard down. He's getting caught with them off guards, which I've done in my past fights. For some I'm not going to do the Eubank. And um, mm-hmm. Gary, he's not the fastest, but he's a big puncher. But he was still catching Eubank when Eubank was throwing his combo. He, he leaves his chin open. You know, if he does that to me. Yeah. It's going to work in my favour. Eubank likes to come forward. You know, if he comes forward with me and does that, I'm going to chin him. Billy Joe saw him in the fight. I was there watching that live. And um, Billy Joe, I don't think Billy Joe performed to his greatest ability that night. Um, he was fit for six, seven rounds, got tired. And Eubank should have... He come on strong, but he just... I don't know. Just, and he looked... But Eubank was knackered in the last two rounds. He was dead. Everyone's saying he's a machine, this and that. Yeah. Punching the bag looks good. But they don't punch back, you know. And when you've got somebody on your case, you're hitting them with everything. They keep coming towards you. You're going to be in a place you've never been before, and that's what I'm going to do to him. Okay, brilliant. So, I mean, obviously not looking past this fight, but what are your um, what are your goals? You know, perfect? whichever route Gary and um, Mick Hennessy put towards me, you know, I'm, I'm not one to say no, so I'll, whichever they say, I'm not I think we've seen that from the, the previous fights. You're not one to say no to anyone. <laughs> nah, you know, they like, I think you're ready for Glovkin. I'm like, am I? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm like Glovkin there, you know? <laughs> but... You know, it's just like, isn't it with me? Like, if if I got a fight with someone like Glovkin, I'd love to go and fight Glovkin just to see how hard he is. Yeah. Personally, I'm like, well, I don't want to fight him yet, so I'd actually love to fight him just to see how hard he really is, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, I've never sure. been in a ring with someone and thought, cool, you know, I don't want to get hit by you again, you know? I sort of <laughs> get a bit weird and I sort of like it, you know? I like getting into the tear up and um, it'd be interesting to see how hard he really is in a, in a weird, sick way. <laughs> Let's move on to the news now. Um, this week, not an awful lot happening in the news. Um, Amir Khan, we still don't know what his next fight will be. His father seems to think it's a toss-up between Garcia or Brooke. Everybody wants Brooke, of course. What's your thoughts on that? To be honest, I'm, um, I fancy Garcia again. <laughs> um, out of them two fights, yeah, I think, um, I think he's got a score to settle with Garcia. I think he's... Boxing ability is in superior is better than than Garcia's, um, but obviously there's that Garcia's got that big punch, so I think it always leads to be an interesting fight with Khan boxing and moving and being a little bit careful and um, Danny Garcia looking for that one big blowout. 
Yeah, the f- the first fight went four rounds, didn't it? Before uh, Khan was was knocked out by Garcia. But for for me, I remember watching it and thinking that Khan was was well ahead. Yeah, no, definitely. Khan's Khan's very good. He's technically very good. He's fast. He moves well. He's a world class fighter. Unfortunately, his chin has let him down in the past. Um, but he's he, he's not a chinny fighter. He's still a tough kid. I mean, he got there's a hard knockdown. He I think when he when he got knocked out by Dan Garcia, he threw a left hook while dropping his right hand, and I think Garcia threw a hook at the same time, uh, or an uppercut, and landed landed first, knocked Khan down. Khan still got up and still tried, but like in all of his fights, when he gets he doesn't get knocked out cold. He's he's always about up and up and trying for more. Um, I like Khan. He's he's a good good fighter, and I think um, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay. And um, let's just mention that the uh, Matthews Flanagan um, fight was been delayed after Flanagan suffered a tendonitis in his left foot, which made him unable to train. Uh, that was, of course, down for the Echo Arena. It's now been moved back a month to March the twelfth. Yeah, it's a little bit controversial. Um, I watched an interview with Terry Flanagan this morning. He said he's had a week off. Um, he's been swimming, uh, but he's been, he's saying he's been he's going to be back in the gym on Monday. Um, Derry Matthews is a little bit annoyed by this and can't really understand it. If his if his injury was so bad, how's he only out for a week? He's still working. Why is the fight off? So I think Derry Matthews is a little bit aggrieved by it. I think he's um, he's come out on social media a little bit as well, um, emphasising his. Um, disappointment with the fight falling through until well not falling through but being put off for a month um flanagan he's injured so i mean he's world champion he doesn't want to take any risks i can totally understand it but i can understand it from Dave matthew's point of view too that he's going to be upset he's had a training camp he's worked hard now he's going to have to take a little break before he starts again so yeah i suppose it's it's Things that happen in boxing, you can put it down to, but uh, it does. It doesn't seem quite right, does it, that he's back so so early? No, yeah, I mean, tendonitis is quite nasty. It's painful. Um, he was saying that he couldn't put his weight on his foot, but yeah, only to have a week out at this stage of the fight, you've got to, you've got to say, hang on, are you really injured? Are you really that bad that you can't fight? Or have you had a bad camp? Have you had some problems and you're not as fit, or your weight's wrong? And you want a little bit more time to work it out. Um, Flanagan seems a pretty genuine guy, so I would hope for his, for for his point of view and for Boxing's point of view that it is just the fact that he he is injured and he can't fight. And maybe on Monday when he goes back into the gym, he's not going to be doing it flat out. He's going to be building himself back up to it. But we'll wait and see. Um, Derry Matthews obviously a bit grieved by it. There's a, uh, a big event at the uh, Nash Gary Corcoran takes on Danny Butler for the w- WBO Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. Uh, that looks like a good fight. Unbeaten Gary Corcoran is 14-0 against Danny Butler, 25 with five losses. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, initially it was scheduled down to that was Gary and uh, Joe Selkirk, who was also 14-0, and um, which for me was a, a really well-matched fight. Um, Selkirk had, had, had come off some good wins. Ryan Toms, Terry Carruthers, Steve O'Meara, to mention a few. He's fought some good guys, about a similar level to Gary. 
Um, Danny Butler now steps in. It'll be a tougher one for Gary, to be honest. I mean, Danny Butler might be 25-5, and five, but he's won his last six. He won the English middleweight title, which obviously knocked out um, the prize fighter finalist, Sala Render. He's got an eighth-round knockout of uh, Frankie Borg, who's a tough, tough kid. Um, so, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, he's done, obviously, seven rounds with Darren Barker. He's been in with Martin Murray. Um, he, he actually lost a split decision to Martin Murray in, the, I think, the prize fighter semi-final. Um, the only thing that worries me is that Danny Butler is also scheduled to fight Sam Sheedy in April, and Sam's another um, up-and-coming up-and-coming guy, 16-1, and one, I think his record is. Um, so with a 14-0 and a 16-1, and one, um, guys on his, on his on his card already, is Danny Butler drifting into the journeyman status, or is he confident and, and pushing forward? That's the question I have to ask. Well, that's all for episode four of the Tandy Boxing Podcast. We'll be taking a break next week as there isn't much world-level boxing happening, so... Hopefully you'll continue to download the podcast from iTunes in two weeks' time when we're back. As usual, if you like the pod, then please let us know by sending us a message via Twitter at TandyPod, or we'd love to receive your emails at TandyBoxingPodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and take care. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.